Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. You know, I want to just be that person that's there for them when they feel like no one else is. You know, whether it's maybe tough love time or maybe it's just being a little bit more comforting in the moment. Like I want to, I love being that person for someone because it just can go a really long way. I want to hear someone's whole story before I ask questions, understand kind of why they're doing something before diving into like strategies and ways around it, things like that. And just trying to meet people where they're at. Hey everyone, this is Meredith. You're listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. On today's episode, we have our friend and coach, Angie Craig, on the show. Angie has been coaching for Tactic for a little over a year now. She started coaching for us while she was completing her master's in clinical nutrition, which she has just completed this summer, and we're super proud of her for doing that. She's a great person. She's an incredible coach. We feel very lucky to have her on our team. She's a a very open communicator. She's honest. And one of her favorite mottos when it comes to life is you can slip, but you don't have to slide. She definitely lives that. She brings that energy and that hope to the clients that she works with. So we hope that you enjoy this episode and getting to know a little bit more about Angie Craig. Angie Craig, welcome to our podcast. Thanks. I'm excited. We've wanted to record this one for a really long time. Thanks. For, <laughs> it was like, we got to have Angie on. We got to have Angie on. And we did that for like a couple months. And I think I messaged you about it like six weeks ago. And I was like, we're going to have you on. And so here we are. Here we are. And we're down we- fine because I probably would have said yes. And then been a, a stress ball with school. <laughs> yeah. You just finished up, right? I did last Sunday. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. So I just finished a master's in clinical nutrition, started in 2020, did take a semester off when my mom passed. But yeah, just finished up last week. Classes actually ended in April, but we have a cumulative exam in my program. So we spent a couple months studying for that. And then all day last Sunday, I took that cumulative exam. So no results yet, but I'm feeling good, feeling positive about it. How long was the exam? It took me from, I started about six and I was done around 2.30. So eight so, hours, eight and yeah, a half hours? But it was, yeah, but it was set up in 10 sections. Each section was like at the most 40 minutes, it was 25 questions. So I would study for one class, one section, take the test, then study. So it took me about like, I studied for about an hour between each test. The test itself didn't take long just oh, me okay. studying between each class each section did you have to like was it online or did you have to go somewhere yeah it was online so my program university of bridgeport is cool it's all virtual every test that we've taken has been at home on camera so we have to show our id scan the room scan under the desk scan the ceiling and then uh, we use a special lockdown browser so we can't open anything up if you use scrap paper, you have to show front and back to make sure there's nothing on there. It's virtually proctored. Yep. That's crazy. Funny related story. We used to do these exams in law school and like you have like an exam software, like you were saying, like that locks down the rest of your computer. Mm-hmm. And like most exams, the time restriction is tight. So it's like you kind of got to be focused for like all three or four hours, however long it is. And there's like the one or two people, usually like the older students mm-hmm. who prefer to write because it's all usually it's not multiple choice. And I guess this didn't happen to me firsthand, but it was apparently a story that just like went around the school because it was just like (laughs) so traumatizing. But you're just like frantically typing. And I guess in one of the exams, someone was screamed like, oh, no, like my computer just died or something or crashed. And I guess everyone in the exam room was like, oh, and then it was like silent for a sec. And then everyone just went back to typing. <laughs> it's like you collectively acknowledge how unfortunate that is. But you're like, sucks to be shows. It's, it's not me. But yeah, I actually had never had a problem until one semester, one class. I had just had an update in my computer, which is dumb. I'll never do this again. But I got did the update. But the lockdown browser wasn't compatible with the update. 
So I went to go take the test and the camera wasn't working. And with our test during the semester, it opened Friday and it closed on Sunday. So I was Saturday night, like really late. I was like, I'm just going to get this done. And it wouldn't work. I'm emailing my advisor back and forth at like 1130 at night. He's trying to help. He can't. And it's just like, it was crazy. So I had to get another computer. I borrowed a friend's and I just got it done. But yeah, that was a little stressful. <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't Sunday. I know. I had a meltdown that it was Saturday. And I was like, oh, why well, have the whole day? I'll be OK. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now that's behind you. Yeah. Yes. The, so your decision to do clinical nutrition masters, was that like a COVID decision or had you planned on that? It was a COVID decision. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Also. So, yeah, I had always been interested in nutrition in general. When I was in my undergrad with animal science, I kind of was really drawn to the animal nutrition side of things. And I thought about switching to dietetics, but I was like nearly done with my degree. And I was like, I don't want to stay here much longer. So it's always been in the back of my mind. When I moved to Albany, New York from Vermont, my intention was to go to a dietetics program, but I hated it. It was just very... To me, very old school, very kind of backwards and wasn't up for it. And then I got a, a job where I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And that didn't quite work out. But <laughs> COVID happened. What job, was that? what job was that? FedEx. Shipping industry. It was <laughs> a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I actually got a job there just to make some money while in school. Kind of moved up the ranks there. So, yeah. And then kind of things led me to getting into CrossFit and coaching CrossFit and nutrition still was always on the kind of there in front of me. And especially in that industry, people are always looking for that little extra and just realized that it's like, wow, there's not a lot of like solid information about nutrition. So I was thinking about going back and I found Bridgeport's program. And then lockdown happened and we're all wondering what we're doing with our lives. I was like, this is it. It's time for me to go back. I emailed, actually, I had applied to Bridgeport a few years ago, decided not to go because I thought the dietetics route would be more, would be better in terms of finding a job because it's more recognized. And then I just emailed Bridgeport. I was like, hey, I applied like a couple years ago. They're like, cool, just send us money and you're in. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's how I it started that program. So I'm, I'm going to back up just because I have a curiosity. With FedEx, so you start there as just like a, a way to make some money. What's like the top tier? Like, where do you end up with FedEx? Where do you, you start? Do, yeah, where do you start? <laughs> and then like, start? like if you were to stay with FedEx, like where do you end up in the company? Yeah, so you, most people, and it's actually really cool that they do this. They really hire from within and really try to support the people there that are learning employees. So I started by loading trucks. I just, every morning I went in at three o'clock, loaded the trucks that you see driving around town. It was great for me because I'm like, you know, it was four or four or five hours. I got a good workout in. I'm a morning person anyways. So I was like, sweet. And, um, 3 a.m. is like, like not the morning. See, that's nighttime still. <laughs> well, with my background in farming and things, 3 a.m. was like, listen, that's I won't true. get up at 3 a.m. now. But back then. No. So yeah, and then I... Just moved up. I became a trainer. So I trained people how to load the trucks and then became a manager on my sort, they call it. And then just kind of moved around. And basically you can, you're in charge. You can move up to be like the head of the sort. So you have a bunch of managers under you and then you become like head of the building, kind of depending on what direction you want to go in. You can also go in the direction of working with the drivers because not many people know this, but FedEx drivers are contracted. So you can be a liaison between the drivers, those companies, and FedEx, the company itself. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Okay, so then you find CrossFit. So where does, I mean, you mentioned it kind of briefly, but how does CrossFit fit into the puzzle of you ending up in the nutrition space? Yeah, so I started CrossFit on accident. Not really accident. I avoided it forever. I was like, I don't need CrossFit. I've been I played rugby for 11 years. I'd always been active. I had no problem like going to the gym. I didn't need that class motivation to get me going. And a couple of my teammates had started doing it. And you can tell like there was a definite like they leveled up their fitness that season after they started CrossFit. And I was like, I still don't need it like forever. It's, it's, it's expensive. I don't need it. And then one of my teammates actually dragged me to a workout. A half merp. Oh, God. <laughs> that was my first workout. And then I was hooked. That's how I got into CrossFit. And then I just kind of finagled my way into coaching. And 
when it came to the nutrition side of things, again, I just, you know, there was a, a hole in nutrition and people really were looking for something. And because I already had an interest in it, I kind of had some background because, you know, animal nutrition and people nutrition are too far apart. And just realizing that there was a hole that really kind of needed to be filled with some reliable sources. And I wanted to be that for people because as a coach, like people come to you, you know, they, they look at you, they, they look up to you and they want to, you know, like, oh, well, Angie's doing these muscle ups or Angie's doing this. And she's has a great understanding of the sport. I'm going to go to her for advice about nutrition. And I just felt like for me, I had to be a really reliable source for people to, to level up whatever they wanted to do, you know, in the moment it's, it's CrossFit, but, you know, it becomes a bigger picture after that. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of the, like the soft entry, like CrossFit is for a lot of people, the soft entry into like giving a shit about yourself. Exactly. And you saw, like, I, we've seen this, I worked in a CrossFit gym for many years and we've been a part of different communities. You see people come in there like off the street, completely mm-hmm. deconditioned and always like, I'm really proud of those people because it takes some stones to yeah. do that. But then you just see it completely change their life. You know, all of a sudden they have an exercise habit and all of a sudden they're doing the open and then all of a sudden they're participating in whatever the nutrition challenge is. Just let that play out over two or three years and it's a it ends up being a totally different person. Like a lot of people, they change their social circles. They stop hanging out with friends that stay up late and drink and they start mm-hmm. hanging out with friends who go to the gym at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Like, you know, they they start changing their environment, which is a really big part of who you become and how healthy you are and how you can express yourself physically. And I think nutrition and CrossFit go like just are inherently together. And they mm-hmm. they obviously talk about it in the level one and level two seminars, you know, slightly different approach than we take. But I think everyone understands the importance and how big of a piece of the puzzle that is. So yeah, that's that's really cool. And I think you're right about the being an authority figure and being someone who people can look up to and that's awesome to hear that. So yeah. you've coached CrossFit for how many years? Five years. Yeah, five years. Yeah. Do you still coach a little bit of CrossFit? I don't right now. So I, I wouldn't say I retired of coaching, but I just at the end of actually about a year ago, actually like exactly a year ago, this like next week, I think, I just decided I, it was time for me to take a step back a little bit. You know, I had so much going on with school. I just needed to put all my effort into that. I knew I had this cumulative exam. I had to get prepared for... I also need a bunch of hours to get the sit for my state licensing exam. I need a thousand hours. And, you know, it just was time to kind of put that coaching on the back burner a little bit. And I really wanted to finish up school, yeah. you know, sooner rather than later. Well, you're clearly drawn to working with people. And I think, I mean, getting a degree in clinical nutrition, whether you're going to work clinically or not, you have to have some interest in helping people. Where does that sort of come from for you? Yeah, to be honest, it's funny. So... I lost my mom about a year and a half ago now. And when I think about, I was like, oh, I love my mom, obviously. (laughs) But I never thought we had much in common. But I realized after she had passed that like the thing that we had in common was our love for helping people and finding those communities to help. So and I just never, I never like put two and two together until she passed. Because my whole life has been finding people to help. (laughs) It just sounds like, about like out of mission to necessarily like, oh, someone needs help. I'm here, like superhero or something. Yeah. But there's so many aspects of that that she had. I think she just naturally passed on to me. I just kind of did it in a different way. You know, she, for her, she did a lot through her church. But for me, that happened on accident. And I just realized that it was very natural for me to, to always be working with people. So it really started when I worked at a therapeutic farm in Western Massachusetts called Gould Farm. I was hired there to be their farm manager to take care of the other dairy cows and pigs, sheep, chickens, all that jazz. But the therapy with these residents who were suffer from severe mental illness was the work. So they would come down to the farm. There's also a kitchen. There's also a gardens. There's a bakery. So the therapy was the work. So every day we would get up, we would have breakfast together. We'd go down to the farm and we would work together to take care of the animals and and really run the, run the farm. And that's when I kind of just found that natural connection with people and definitely very challenging dip with that different population. But it was just really well worth it. And it was probably my first real like work with people, even though it was kind of, a, I would say, an accident because I was, my job there was to manage the animals. And from there, that's when I just kept 
like wanting to work with people. And I worked in various populations. I've moved to some other farms. I've worked with developmentally disabled people and kind of in that kind of general population. But yeah, I really found a niche, I believe, when I started coaching for CrossFit. And to be honest, like even at FedEx, you know, managing people is something I've just it's always kind of fallen into. And I love building these teams and I love and like helping people find kind of their path and with whatever that may be, you know, FedEx is kind of helping them, you know, start from the bottom like I did and work their way up, and, you know, with at the farms is helping people with severe mental illness realize that they can hold a job, they can develop skills and that their illness didn't define them, you know, and with the CrossFit gym, it's helping people find fitness and a lifestyle that is a little bit more suitable or what they prefer. So just kind of, you know, naturally kind of fell that way. So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Well, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and a lot of the things that you just described, it's helping people sort of uncover. This is going to sound so cliche, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> hidden potential for what they, you know, what their true capabilities are. Like, what do you think the key to unlocking that for people is? Yeah, I like how you said that. It is. I feel like that's what you said that. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I think it's just, it's treating people with, obviously with respect and, but also like challenging them a little bit and letting them get a little bit uncomfortable, but knowing that you're there to support them so they can gain confidence. That's the big thing is, is really helping people find their confidence with whatever tasks may be, because I find with a lot of things, whether it's, you know, nutrition or fitness or with anything, people just lack confidence and it just kind of stems into many areas of their life. So if we can find little tiny things to kind of help build their confidence, then that's going to lead to to bigger things for them. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like as adults, we don't really allow ourselves to be novice at things. Mm -hmm. Like there's, we kind of shun that, right? Like not good at something, you just don't do it. And I think a lot of the nutrition industry, the fitness industry, and just you know, the adult sort of self-help industry is people want their problems solved for them and they're willing to pay for it, right? Like, just mm -hmm. just give me a meal plan. Just tell me exactly what exercises to do. Just just tell me how to do it so I don't have to like struggle. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I'm Like, I've always wondered where the, the switch gets flipped because as kids, you know, a lot of learning, it happens through struggling. Like when kids yep. are learning to walk, you don't, prop them up and put their legs in exactly the right place like you'd let them fumble around onto the ground until they figure it out and the same thing with learning to read like you you create a safe space for people to kind of flail around and figure it out or at least you know kids that's how kids learn you know at some point as adults we stop being willing to do that when really that's like you said that's sort of the key you you help people become uncomfortable in the learning process but like just like parents are there to support kids as they learn or teachers or whoever, you know, you're there to to help and to reassure and to guide. That's the sign of a true like teacher and someone who really gets it. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. I was just actually talking to my brother the other day about he has three kids and they're they're going to be teens now. It's crazy. But I've noticed that I, I feel like it almost starts a little bit like in that when they get to that those teenage years, you know, how and I remember when I was a teenager, like how kind of like defensive I would get. Because really, I was like, I didn't know and I was uncomfortable and I was learning something and I was embarrassed. And we have to remember that's like part of the process. And really, like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing because you just you don't know, like, and that's OK. But for some reason, like, yeah, I find it with my oldest nephew right now, like he's very defensive because he's uncomfortable and and he's starting to get that, like, well, I should be able to do everything like I'm 14. And like, really, it's not true. He's, the, you know, that's obviously not the case, but I feel like that just kind of, it builds and builds and builds as we're adults. And then I think obviously social media doesn't help at all now, things along those lines. So yeah, it's just interesting. I was talking to my brother about that. <laughs> it's hard, like with nutrition and fitness specifically as an, as an adult, it's not like we're learning how to play tennis and it's like, oh, I really am not good at tennis. You know what? I don't really even like it. I'm not going to do it. It doesn't impact your life if you don't play tennis. You're having that same experience with fitness and nutrition and you give up very early, it ha does have a really bad like impact on your life, a negative mm -hmm. one. And it's unfortunate when people do the same thing with nutrition and fitness that they do with tennis, rather than just kind of like leaning into this discomfort and knowing like, hey, it's going to get easier or I'm going to get better at doing this hard thing. Mm -hmm. They just they quit and they let it continue to impact their life. 
it's really unfortunate that ability to kind of like fall and get back up or like be comfortable in the uncomfortable or ask, be able to ask for help or ask for support kind of goes away mm-hmm. with a lot of adults. hundred percent. You know, I, I think it's kind of where things like, you know, any sort of like community based thing, like, you know, I use CrossFit as an example, but you're kind of able to help people get past that a little bit because you're providing that safe space for people to learn and to, to ask questions and feel like they're not being judged. It's really cool to see, you know, we have people from all different levels and obviously they're watching so-and-so in the corner do like all these ring muscle-ups that snatch 200 pounds. And, you know, they may feel funny doing their empty barbell snatch, but it's cool to watch and connect the dots of like, hey, like if I can, if I keep digging in here, I can get there. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a process, but it's just, it was always fun to watch that, that connection for people when they finally kind of got over that fear because they were in a place where they could do it safely. Yeah. Like if you see someone doing something that's possible, you start to learn like, oh, this is possible. And they're not, especially when it's someone who they're not walking in from like a division one football program. They're not a D1 athlete. They're Mm. like, you know, an engineer who started doing CrossFit five years before this person. And they're like, no, man, you just got to keep doing it. Oh, wow. Like, I, I remember my experience with CrossFit early on was that like I, I walked in, I wasn't I was an athlete. I wasn't deconditioned, but I certainly wasn't doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And I just saw normal people who were really good at working out. And I was like, well, shoot, if they can do it, if they can do that, then I can do that. Like, and so I just started to kind of, you know, chip away and I would sort of pick people off on the leaderboard and, and you know, slowly improve. And it's really it was a very motivating environment for that reason versus you know, you go to a Globo gym and you're on your own. You have no idea what you're doing. You assume mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. There's like a level of embarrassment. Then that like that shame kind of creeps in and you're like, no, I don't really like that. And it's definitely not important enough to me to keep putting myself in that situation. Whereas mm-hmm. like CrossFit gyms or community fitness of any kind really offers that connection, which is so important and creates that sort of, yeah, the safe space. It normalizes being bad at something. How do you get someone who comes in with the mindset like Meredith and it's like, oh, I can't do that yet, but I will be able to if I keep at it mm-hmm. versus, wow, I suck compared to them. It seems so far out of the realm of possibility. What am I even doing here? I have to quit or I have to leave or like, and this is kind of like, I think we see this a lot with nutrition. I think that community aspect of fitness helps, like CrossFit helps a lot. But how do you like empower someone? How do you get someone's mindset to shift? I think that's one thing that we struggle with with clients. They're like on an island and they're just like, I can't. This is so hard. This is so hard. I can't do this. You get other clients who are like, I'm doing it. I'm going to get better and better and better. How do you get the people who are, I guess, to say like more negative about the outcome or doesn't have as much hope? How do you switch that mindset? How do you empower them? You know, it's tough. And I think for me, it's creating goals you know, because they have this bigger picture, you know, so they like want to lose weight. So what can we do every day that's going to help build that? So, you know, examples, protein, you know, like, well, let's focus on hitting your protein target every day. Maybe logging's tough, but okay. So every meal, you're going to have four ounces of protein, something along those lines. And starting really like with the tiniest little things and again, to help kind of build, build that confidence letting them know that I'm I'm there and a bit like I'm here too. I'm available, you know, send me a message and we can figure things out because I am in your corner. You know, a lot of my clients, especially like they're, you know, especially when they have families, like they're kind of doing it on their own, you know, their kids are eating bowls of ice cream and things like that. And like, oh yeah, I guess I just didn't have the ice cream last night. And, you know, that can feel lonely and like, cause you, that's that connection with your family you want to have. So I definitely let them know that, like, okay, next time this happens, let's talk about how we want to go about it. You know, how can we make it so you can have that bowl of ice cream with your family and understand that it's not going to impact things. Maybe pushing them to do something like that that might be a little bit more uncomfortable. So the next day they they realize like, oh, cool, like I'm okay. Yeah, yeah it just sounds like just like a lot of like encouragement and celebrating small wins and yes. just being there to kind of keep nudging people forward, even if there is a bit of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Like believe I like I think, you know, sometimes clients will say to me like, oh, you're going to you're going to I'm worried you're going to fire me as a client. I'm mm-hmm. like, I I mean, it takes I think in, in all of the the times that I've, I've in all the five years I've been coaching nutrition 
full time I've fired or said to someone like this isn't working. It's been one time. And I think mm -hmm. Meredith can say the same. And I've worked with a lot of people and it's just like you just don't give up on someone like because I think every there's always belief that someone can can make small changes and those small changes add up. And I think really making sure that person feels that way can be huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like I think don't give up on yourself. I'm not giving up on you. Exactly. That's what I was saying. I was like, you know, like I in the beginning, like I believe more in my client than they probably believe in themselves and telling that and letting them know that, like, I think really helps with their confidence. It's like, oh, like, you know, Angie believes in me like I can do this. I can I can navigate this, you know, weekend doing X, Y, Z. And then they get to Monday like I did it. Yeah, it's like I knew you could. <laughs> I think a lot of people too. like you have to resist the urge to make assumptions about people like I think that there are a lot of of people out there who make it into their adult lives having never really been supported you know maybe they didn't come from a household that instilled a lot of confidence in them and so it's like for a lot of people having a coach and having one having someone be like look I know you can do this I know it's going to be hard but I believe in you that may be the first time they've ever heard that in their entire life and so it's like there's a lot of power with that, there's also a lot of responsibility that from a coaching standpoint, it's awesome to be able to help someone in that way. Yeah. I have a bit of an injury right now. And I, one of my clients was checking up on me today, asking yeah. how it was going. And I said, it's okay. I'm, I, I have to, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to take some time off. I'll do what I can and I'll be smart about it. And she goes, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, but you have a really great attitude. And it's like, it's something I know. I know I have a good attitude because I've worked really hard on my mindset around injuries with all of my years doing sports. But it's like, it's amazing how something just something as encouraging of like you're doing a good job, like you have mm -hmm. a good attitude can almost just reinforce that. Like I yes. do have a good attitude. It kind of perked me up a little bit. I didn't feel as bummed out. And it was yeah. like, I'm going to live into this. Yeah, and I don't even I don't pay this person. I probably should discount her <laughs> membership. But even just having support from a friend, let alone a coach who's there for you kind of week in, week out. It's very powerful. It is. It is. So that's what, you know, I really want to be for people. You know, I want to just be that person that's there for them when they feel like no one else is and be like, if I have to like, you know, whether it's maybe tough love time or maybe it's just being a little bit more comforting in the moment. Like I want to, I love being that person for someone because it just can go a really long way. If you had to describe your coaching style, how would you describe yourself as a coach? And like maybe an extension of that question is, do you have a specific type of client who you seem to work really well with? I don't think I have a specific type of client, but I, for my coaching style, I know I'm a little bit more under, try to be as empathetic as possible. I want to hear someone's whole story before I ask questions, understand kind of why they're doing something before diving into like strategies and ways around it, things like that. I mean, just trying to meet people where they're at instead of like dragging them along with me because you can lead a horse to water, right? But it's really kind of having to to recognize where someone's at. And yeah, you know, I think I can provide a little tough love if, if needed. I wouldn't say like, I'm definitely not the coach that's going to be like yelling at people. I know some people are like, just yell at me. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't want to. But yeah, it's just it's just like being a little bit more patient probably than like the I would say like the average average coach. Have you personally had any coaches in your life that were particularly impactful in a like a positive way? Yeah. I've had great coaches in my life. Actually like I had one bad coach. But uh, yeah, my uh, to be honest, my the first person that popped in my head was my like high school field hockey coach. <laughs> coach Stickney, she was so cool. Just like always really encouraging and never like her belief in her athletes was like pretty amazing. Like I never played field hockey before in my life until I was like, oh, sport sounds cool. I'm in high school and I want to do something. So started doing it. And like I instantly felt like I was the star of the team. I was by far not. <laughs> but, you know, she just was able to kind of create that space for people with a, a sport that normally people don't like, at least in the U.S. anyways, don't grow up playing like it's not like soccer. So I think she's probably like my first real like impactful coach. And then I've had great rugby coaches over the years. Rugby is a great community for people. That was a lot of fun. But those are probably the two that made them the hardest in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of getting hit hard, do you play any rugby still or? No, I stopped playing. I actually stopped playing rugby when I started doing CrossFit. Just I had been playing for 11 years at that point and it was like, I'm a little tired. I just want to do something different. My schedule was kind of getting nuts too, where I couldn't make it to all the games and things like that. But I actually been thinking about it a lot. I'm like, I wonder if I can just go back out there 
<laughs> yeah, I, I feel no, like eventually you sort of return to your your sport. Alex is returning to running, kind of returning to biking. I feel mm. like eventually you make your way back home from an athletic standpoint. Yes. <laughs> There's a I have considered doing a women's lead soccer. Have I you? was like, ah, do they provide snacks at <laughs> halftime? Because if so, I'm doing it. Orange slices. <laughs> I don't. I think I will vote. Show of hands, who thinks who thinks Angie does does rugby again? I don't know. Rugby is so aggressive. Okay, so that's but... two votes. Angie does rugby. <laughs> what position did you play? I was a flanker. So okay, I, I asked that is question. Is that a forward like a or a back? Yeah. <laughs> forward that's or back? Forward, yeah. So the okay, more of yeah. a defensive player. I was kind of like, I describe flankers as, we're kind of like the connection between the, the backs, which are the more like offensive people, and then the forwards, the more defensive. We're usually a little bit smaller and quicker, things like that. So that was me. My last season, though, playing, I became a back because they needed backs. Oof, that was, I, mean, I kept getting yelled at because I was like the first one to every tackle. They're like, Angie, that's not your job anymore. I was like, sorry, <laughs> I just want to tackle. Do you, think, do you think we could play rugby? I think you guys can play rugby. I'm trying to think. I did positions. play. I played in law school and I was both a top and bottom, or sorry, forward and back. Did you just describe yourself as a top <laughs> and a bottom? It was a joke. Okay. Forward and back. Okay. And because I was, they were like, you're quick, but you're strong. Yeah. So I kind of like played the field, but then I also, because you have to set up differently too. Mm -hmm. So there were some like parts of the game where I would play forward. And then some parts where I, or some games I would play back. And yeah. I would say back is definitely, there's more glory because you score the points. Oh, yeah. Way more glory. Um, but forward, forward and I was just scared in forward. <laughs> I love it. It's a really fun game. It's really fun. It is. I, I'm excited. It's getting, it seems to be getting more popular here in the U.S. Now that like sevens, rugby's in the Olympics and all that jazz. So that's pretty cool. Sevens is very different game than 15. So way faster. The halves are shorter, things like that. But it's way better for TV. Like it's way better to watch sevens on TV than 15s because in 15s is like, oh, a pile of people in the middle of the field and they move down here and <laughs> oh, someone scored. And it's very confusing if you don't know what's going on. <laughs> what do you call that? The pile? Do you call that a scrum? A scrum, yeah. It's so interesting to me. Did you know that pickleball is the most popular sport in America right now? Yeah, it's growing fast. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw this report. So you've been in CrossFit long enough. You've probably seen like the journal articles about the injury rates in CrossFit and all this mm -hmm. like sort of slanderous material that came out a while ago. And there was an article that got published a couple weeks ago about the rise in injuries being caused by pickleball. Pickleball, yeah. And I was like, oh, how the tables have turned. I wonder if it's going to get the same kind of negative press. Probably not. I was funny. Actually, I saw the, the, that news story and they're like, you know, it's just older people are playing it and they just need to slow down a little bit. I was like, people, but don't scare them. Let them play pickleball. I yes. mean, like the reality is those same people will probably get injured like doing nothing. Like, yeah, know, exactly. Sport, and then it just doesn't get recorded. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just the benefits. It's so interesting how that stuff comes out. I think People forget that the benefits of any kind of activity yes. tend to outweigh. I mean, I don't know that I would put a 70-year-old on skis and be like, mm. this will be good for you. Pickleball. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've never played pickleball. Have you played pickleball? No, I've not tried it yet. They just actually put some courts in here in Albany. So that's the big talk of the town right now. Pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're in Albany, right? Uh, yeah, just outside Albany. Okay. Yeah. And you have a... Last I, I checked, you had chickens. Have we expanded yeah. the farm at all? Not the farm. I did get two cats, though, which I'm very excited about. So, yeah, I lost my cat last year, a year and a half ago as well. Actually, on the same day, I lost my mom. Wow. So I had Bravo for 11 years. He moved with me everywhere. Like, we moved 12 times. He, like, never batted an eye. He was the best cat. So it took a little time to really think about getting another cat. I was all in. My partner was not. So when my uncle passed a couple months ago, he had asked before he passed, he's like, you know, could you take my cats? So I was like, yeah. But I had to convince my partner. So I told, I was like, you know, Uncle Paul's dying and they need a home for the cats. And he was like, can you please just see if there's anyone else? I was like, sure, I'll see, quote, if there's yeah, anyone else. Let me, let me check on that. <laughs> so I told my cousin, I was like, we got them. I'll take them. So I told my partner, I was like, sorry, you know, there wasn't anyone else. I could take two cats. And he's like, OK. I feel like and not to be morbid, but I feel like that's some that's some of the best leverage if you want a cat or two cats. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, my dying uncle did ask 
Me specifically yes. to take the cat. <laughs> yep, I definitely use that. Thank you, Uncle Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked. What are the cats' names? Gracie and Chloe. That's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. They're a little skittish. And um, around to them. Oh, yeah. He loves them. He's a well, big animal whole conversation. I know. I know. The use of the word partner and like <laughs> bonus points for straight people who use it. And then he, yeah. you said it's extra confusing for people when I talk about it because I use the word partner and my partner's name is Jamie. And so it's just like uber confusing. Yeah. Uber. And then I'll talk about how I was a farmer and I played rugby and people are like, wait, what? Yeah. So it's just like the assumptions and then they they probably meet jamie and they're just like none of this makes sense yes they're like wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like no. never mind uh, that's so true it's fun though i love i love playing that game <laughs> i mean I, I can do the same with alex although i feel like i wear my cards i show my cards yeah you do only, yeah. but yeah we did we have run into the i've personally run into that issue a couple of times when I say my partner, Alex, and then the assumption is he. And so then I get he, 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 husband, you know, whatever, boyfriend. I'm like, no, like, Alexandra. So I, I have in some instances used the name Alexandra just to clarify. Just to be and clear. I, I don't feel like playing. Maybe I'll start going by Alexandra. How nice weird name. would that be? That'd be would weird. You ever, I mean, An Angie could go by Angela. Yeah, that's weird. That does feel weird, doesn't it? You're in yeah. trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> How long have you been together with Jamie? Seven years. We said our anniversary the other day. I just made it. Made, I made up the day, to be honest. I don't remember what day we went That's out. That's how you have to do it. And I was yeah. like, I think it was, um, it was definitely after the 4th of July. So here we go. The 16th. Sounds good. <laughs> Pick a day. But you're not married. Not married, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How did you meet? Through a mutual friend. So one of my rugby teammates worked with him oh, uh, a while ago. So it was funny because she was like the year before we met you got to meet my friend jamie i was like no i don't want to i don't want to do blind date and then literally a year later we were all hanging out with my rugby team and two of them were we were going to get married and it was like my first wedding where i could actually invite like bring someone which i wasn't too worried about because i knew the whole rugby team so it's not like i was going to be alone but i was like i wish i could bring someone and so they're like my friend joanne she's like well why did you like call Jamie? And I was like, you know, okay, sure. Cause you know, there may have been some alcohol involved in this decision. <laughs> <laughs> and so someone sent him a, a picture of me wearing this American flag bikini, like flexing in front of the American flag. Someone sent him That's that. Incredible. And then it was, you know, love at first sight for him. So <laughs> I love that. He's very patriotic. It sounds like <laughs> he was like, I think he, was, he said he was working and he was just like, they're like, take a picture. So he, he like ran upstairs. He does heavy equipment repair and welding. So he's like covered in dirt. He like threw water on his face. And he took this horrible picture of like from down below. Like, like up his nose. I was like, what are you? Okay, I'll try. Just like <laughs> the most typical happens. dude selfie. He's like, it's yeah. me. So, so I was like, funny. okay, he seems nice. And then he was. Yeah, then he was. And look at us now. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So you have been on our team for almost almost a year. Yeah. Is it a year? Yeah. A year in August. Happy anniversary to us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So you reached out initially for like a mentorship, which we weren't doing at the time. And then I think we had posted again about maybe hiring and you were like, hey, how about that mentorship? And then I was like, <laughs> or I have an idea. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of how you, you started with us. And I guess I was wondering if you could maybe on the air provide us with some feedback and how things have been going and you know yeah. if like coaching remotely in this way is kind of what you thought it would be what some of the challenges were and you know yeah. kind of give it to us yeah <laughs> you're ready no, no it's been great I was just thinking about that the other day actually I was like wow like it's coming up on a year already it's kind of crazy and you know when I reached out I was just like again kind of with the loss of my mom and stuff I was I was thinking I gotta really I want to refocus my life a little bit and i've been following you guys for a while and like most people like send you dms on instagram <laughs> and then yeah and it all kind of it all worked out and very grateful for it you know it's been a it's been definitely a learning curve with the remote style obviously very used to seeing people in person with coaching crossfit and things like that so it's been interesting but it's been really great you know i think it's just helped my communication style greatly as a just a person in general it's been really fun to get to know all these people with such various backgrounds and all over the world, you know, and I love 
you know, the thing that brought me to Tactic was just the information you provided and how you provided it. And I'm like just forever grateful now to be kind of part of that, that force that got a new way of looking at nutrition and fitness and lifestyle because it really is just, just all lifestyle. You know, the team is great. I love like every other Tuesday is my favorite day, to be honest. I'm like, oh, tactic call. Good to see, you know, the team and what we're all doing and, and all that jazz. So, you know, and I love that how we really look at this continuing education, you know, listening to podcasts and talking about it together, the book club, things like that. I just think it's so important to have that connection as a team, especially because as a team, we're all remote too. You know, that's really important to just build our bond so we can still be, we can be the best coaches we can for our, for our clients. Yeah. Like I remember when you reached out initially for a mentorship, I was like, oh, I wish you would just work for us. Cause there was something about you that I was like, we yeah, were both really drawn to, but I, I also recognize it just wasn't maybe the right time. And then the second time I was like, I'm pretty sure she'll just work for us. And it's really hard. I mean, you know, the nutrition space, and we just recorded a podcast on hiring, so I won't harp on the process too much, but you know, the, the nutrition coaching space is largely unregulated. And mm -hmm. so you get a variety of the spectrum of qualifications from absolutely not qualified in any way to, to, you know, to PhD level. And so, but it's all, it's very hard to find people who are kind of in line with the way that we think and are really willing to look at the whole picture when it comes to a human being and not just, you know, get really granular with nutrition and then also have the ability to communicate in a, an open and honest way and connect with people. You do a really great job with that. Like, I think for only being with us for a year, like we've received more love letters for Angie, <laughs> you know, just just words of affirmation. And, you know, I just love her so much. You just you don't see that a lot, um, mm -hmm. especially not early on. Like a lot mm -hmm. of times it takes some time for coaches to develop the ability to connect with people. And you just do that mm -hmm. so well what? and seem to do it right out of the gate. So I there are my words of affirmation <laughs> for today. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we feel really grateful to have you on our team and just to know you as a person and look forward to continuing to build this relationship together. Yeah. No, I love it. You know, I just think thank you for that. You know, it means a lot because it was definitely a little bit out of my like comfort zone when it I was like, I'm just going to message them and see, you know, usually I, I'm not that type of person. But again, with like kind of some circumstances last year, I'm like, YOLO, you literally because like you just don't know what's going to happen. And the worst you're going to say was no. But it wasn't going to change my mind about like you two as people or or your company. That's about it, you know. And I think that my background with working with various populations has really helped me just become the person I am today. And you know, it's hard going from it, you know working with the the populations in men with mental illness. You know, like there's one day that you're good friends with someone and things are good. The next day they're having an episode and they you know freak out on you and it's sad and scary, but you just kind of learn that's not them as a person, you know, and you can say that for like, you know, a lot of behaviors for people, you know, there's, it comes from, for the most part, I would say that it, it comes from something else, like whether it's fear, whether it's being, not having confidence, things like that. And that kind of being in that situation in particular really helped me, helped me see that with people. And I think that's kind of what's helped me connect with people today. Wow, oh, that was nice. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you can pass on this question or not. It's It will be interesting for our listeners, I think. What's like something that maybe is like a pet peeve of yours or something that you aren't a big fan of in coaching nutrition specifically? Or what are those things in the day where you're like, ugh, this is tough for me? Like with my clients or just like nutrition in general? With your clients. Communication or lack thereof. You know, I know I'm like an over communicator and... You know, mostly because I want people to know like, hey, I'm here, I'm willing to talk and things like that. So that's kind of been a shift for me, kind of learning. Most of our coaching is done via text. So people are in the middle of their day. So I definitely understand that. But kind of like when people go radio silent, I'm like, I'm here to help you stop going radio silent. That's kind of probably my, my biggest pet peeve. You know, even if you have to text me back late, then I'd rather have you do that than just like ignore me. Don't yeah, ignore me. That's my pet pet peeve too. <laughs> I'd say that's like, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, but the number one predictor of like positive outcomes from coaching, at least with our company and probably with every company and coach out there is the ability to communicate. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to like nail it every single time, but yeah, willingness to communicate is a big prerequisite, I would say. 
Yeah, 100%. Do you have any in like your, I know a lot of our listeners really like like book recommendations. Is there any book that you've read recently or in the past that's kind of like changed your outlook or perspective on nutrition, life, mindset, or just like even just a really good story? Yeah. So to be honest, I was very late to this game, Atomic Habits. <laughs> I was probably like five years too late, like late. But that's the book I'm recommending <laughs> to like all my clients. I don't know why it took me so long to read it. I think I was like, I don't need another self-help book. But then I was like, you know, fine, I'll just read it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is life changing. <laughs> you know, I wish I read this five years ago. So, you know, for the most like for me, anyways, a lot of those pieces in there like was things I was already doing. What helped me was be able to kind of be able to communicate it to my clients and in a different way to kind of help them. And that's one I definitely recommend for people. And then the one that really helped me the most uh, was a Brene Brown book, The Gifts of Imperfections. That was like one of her earlier ones. And if you've read kind of her later ones, they're very similar. So like you probably would read The Gifts of Imperfections and not like get much out of it. But for me, that came to me at a time where what did my my friend have said? He's like, I think I was, I had said something kind of like crappy about myself. And he's like, stop doing that. And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence. And he's like, no, like you have a lot of confidence. You don't have a lot of self-worth. And I was like, whoa. And that was really mine, like opened my mind a lot about how, because, you know, I realized like I was confident at this point, like I moved to Massachusetts. I was working on that farm and all this stuff, but I didn't really feel like I was worthy of things that I wanted, you know, whether it was, you know, it was in my early 20s at that point, like was a relationship or like things like money, like and being willing to figure things out and like buy a new car that I needed. And that really reading that book really helped me understand that there had to be more to myself than just like feeling confident and doing things. But I had to feel like I was worthy of whatever I was achieving or wanted. And I think a lot of people forget that when it comes to the love they have for themselves and like really the love they have for other people is feeling worthy of of anything that they want. Yeah, those are my two books. Yeah, that's wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, I have one last question and then we'll either end it or Meredith can can ask a last question. But And this might be a tough one because I didn't give you a heads up, but do you have an embarrassing moment to share? I really like embarrassing stories. I used to read yeah. Cosmopolitan. Oh, the, like, and the, they would have the embarrassing stories in there. Yeah, forgot about that. I think that's the only reason why I read I read that magazine. Yeah, the same. Like, no, that wasn't me. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I know I have done stuff embarrassing. It's going to sound very weird. So this is back in my farming days. So as you guys can see, I have a gap between my teeth. I've always had it, and yeah. I was giving this whole description is going to be very odd for people that don't know anything about animals. But I was giving a cow, some aspirin, and it, you have to, you hold this, like, kind of, like, plunger-like tube, so you put the big aspirin pills in the tube, you, like, grab the cow's head, and you kind of get them situated, but I had put the plunger thing, like, I was holding it in my mouth while I got her situated, and the end of it got stuck between my teeth, like, it slipped, and so then I had this, like, weird plunger thing, like, hanging out of my mouth, I had my friends over like on the like they didn't see me. So I'm like trying to get it out, like all like hiding behind the cow. And they're like, Angie, are you OK? And I'm like, I couldn't talk because of the sticks. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Anyway, so I got it out. It felt like 15 minutes. It was probably 20 seconds. Yeah. That's but no one's got it. This is the first time I ever told that story. So nice. <laughs> Shame can't bear the light. You know, you just release that thing that's been hanging over you. Right. Seriously, it's been haunting me. I, still. Um, I was also an animal science major for half of my undergrad, but I did a I don't know if you've ever worked with goats and had to trim their feet before. Oh, yeah. But I was doing that. <laughs> and my roommate at the time, who was one of my high school friends, was also animal science. So we took the small ruminant lab together and we were trimming their feet. And this one, I felt so bad. This was such a chaotic situation. But we had the goat on its side and it was there was like a graded floor. And it had sort of shimmied off the rubber and gotten its horn, one of its horns stuck in the grate. So first thing that it did was it ripped its horn off. So now we have oh, no. a goat with one horn hanging off and then, yep. you know, one still there. And then we got it sort of situated, stopped the bleeding on its head. And so I'm trimming its feet and it kicked its feet. And I impaled my roommate's arm with the clippers. No. Like the, the, 
the goat poo covered clippers just right in your fork. There's one of those where you pull it out and you're like, is it okay? And we're both yeah. looking at it. And you can tell it's not okay because there's like flesh coming out of the arm. And then it, there's like a, a delay where you're like, well, I don't know, it's not bleeding. And then all of a sudden it's gushing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I ruined that day for her in a major way. Cause then, you know, she had to go to the hospital and get stitches. And then like, I also, I think ruined the goat's thing. Yes. So yeah, that, that was, was that wasn't the day I changed my major, but it didn't come too long after that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've had lots of farming stories like that. Farm stories are wild. I'm glad both of you switched to human nutrition. Yes. Right. Definitely a little less, a little less dangerous. Yeah. And embarrassing. Yeah. I'll ask one question and then we'll wrap it up. If you could go back 10 years and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? My first thing that came to my head, which I don't like, like saying it, but like, or I feel like it's kind of cliche, but just like just doing the thing. You know, if you're interested in something, just do it. Like, I've always been very, I guess I would say, like, I don't know if lucky is the right word or if it's just how I was raised, but I never really second guess. Well, I've always second guessed, but I, it's never stopped me from kind of making life decisions. I was an animal science major and now I'm working and I went from, you know, being a manager at FedEx to going to nutrition school and then dropping out and you know, becoming a CrossFit coach and now, you know, back into into nutrition and having your dream yeah. job. Yeah, having my dream job. <laughs> you know, I think we tend to overthink things and think that we're going to fail. And isn't always the case 99% of the time. And yeah, there's going to be moments where it's going to suck. You know, there were there moments where I wasn't making any money 100%, but I just kind of had faith that it was going to work out and just kept persisting with it all. And I think just doing what I needed to do because I wanted to and because I just knew it was the path I needed to take. You know, I guess having the the confidence to to do that. So I think that's what I would tell. I don't know if I would tell my younger self that because obviously I was kind of doing it, but just don't take as long to decide. You know, if, if it's something that's like deep down within you, then just go ahead and do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Do the that's thing. Good, that's good advice. I like that Ooh. advice. Well, I, I will say that this podcast, talking to you a little bit more in depth, has made me appreciate you as a part of our team and as a person even more. So Ooh. thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast yeah. and for being I'm who so you are and for being a part of our team. Thank you. I'm excited for this. And yeah, we're a year in and I'm just can't wait to see where it keeps going. Yeah. Us, neither can we. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again for being on the show. If people wanted to find you online, where would they find you online? Instagram, Craig.Angie. Yeah, and you're on our website, so people can read more about you there and also link to your social media account. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angie. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, we'll talk again soon. Bye.